This message is brought to you by Mill City Church in Lowell, Massachusetts. For more information, please visit millcitychurch.net. It's so exciting being a part of the faith community these days. The Lord just continues to add people into our church. We have added so many new members over the last year. We have baptized, I think, 10 over this last school year, and then welcoming in a couple of new babies this last year as well. The Lord is growing us. He's growing us spiritually. He's growing us biologically. And to Him belongs all the glory, honor, and praise today. Are you guys excited about studying God's Word together today? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to go all the way back to the, New Te- the Old Testament today. We've been in the New Testament a while this spring. We're going to go back to those, those first followers of God. The nation of Israel, God had set apart for Himself. And, and what God did in the Old Testament is He selected a race of people. He selected a nation of people and literally set them apart to be His example to be His shining uh, truth, uh, shining beacons of what His truth lived out would be. And throughout the Old Testament, you see the leaders, the patriarchs of that early uh, nation, as well as the prophets of God throughout the Old Testament, speaking for God to the people on behalf of God and calling them towards His way on earth. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you see Moses The great patriarch Moses, the very flawed patriarch Moses, giving the people of God a command. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 9 today because it's so pertinent for Mother's Day. It's also very pertinent for baby dedication that we just experienced. But it's also very pertinent for disciple making today. And before we read the text, I want to make sure that we're clear today. Yes, as we go through our message today, These truths are are first and foremost, I'm speaking to our parents today. I'm speaking to our prospective parents today. I'm speaking to grandparents today. But I don't want those of you who don't have a natural family or you are not yet married or you do not yet have uh, biological children or even adoptive children, if that's one of your uh, goals and visions for your life and family. I don't want you to think that this message is not for you. Because the reality is the Bible commands us to multiply biologically, but he also commands us to multiply spiritually. And so I want you to know that these truths are for us today, both for our biological families as well as our spiritual families, for both those who are leading biological children and offspring, but also those who are investing in the next generation of Christ followers. So in any shape, form, or fashion today, we could be parents, whether biologically or whether spiritually today. And so these truths are for us. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 is most definitely for us. And so beginning in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 6, the Bible says this, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, 
and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This morning, what I want to walk us through in this passage, as well as a few passages from the New Testament, is I want to show you the pathway to blessing. Anytime we think about raising kids, it could actually just lead us to great fear and trepidation, right? To bring kids into this sinful world. And, and none of us is quite as prepared as we might thought we were whenever we got married. And, and it can, having a child can actually bring the toughest of men down to their knees in trepidation and fear, right? It's a scary proposition, And this morning, what I want you to know is that there actually is a pathway to blessing. That by and large, if you follow this path, you will see blessing in your family. And I want to be careful here. I I don't want us to be like the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers of our day that basically just preach a name it and claim it type thing. And that it's this formula, if you put this in, you're just going to always get this out. The promises of God that we see in the scriptures, especially as it pertains to child rearing and passing on the faith to the next generation, these are general uh, promises that you do these things and generally speaking, you're going to see blessing in your life. Now, why am I saying it that way? Because as cute as these little ones are that we're blessing today and as we are dedicating today and as we're looking around our church family and seeing today, they are still little sinners at the core of their hearts. They are sinners today and they're going to be sinners tomorrow. They're going to be sinners in 10 years or 20 years. There are no absolute guarantees in this sinful world. There are no absolute guarantees with your kids either. But the promises of God are true. And generally speaking, if you pursue what we're going to talk about today, you will see far more blessing in your family's life than cursing. This is a promise from God this morning. So what is the pathway to blessing? Well, it all centers around the Word of God. It centers around the Word. It centered around the Word of God thousands of years ago to ancient Israel. It centered around the Word of God to those New Testament first century followers of Jesus. And it centers around the Word of God for you and for me today. And so I'm going to give you the the ultimate answer before we even dive into our outline this morning. If you want blessing in your life, if you want blessing in your family's life, if you want blessing in your children's life, your household, your family, your life must be saturated with, surrounded by, intoxicated by the Word of God. And we're going to see this in three ways today. Number one, what is the pathway to blessing? Number one, you must be a learner of God's word. You must be a learner of God's word. Each and every Christ follower, 
Look at Deuteronomy 6 with me. Look at verse 6. He says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. The heart in the Bible is the very center and seat of our emotions. It is the core of our existence. And so when you see the word heart uh, mentioned in the Bible, every once in a while it may be talking about that organ that's in our body that's pumping blood right at this moment. And if it stopped, you would stop, right? And so that's not what the Bible most of the time talks about with heart. When the Bible talks about heart, the Bible's talking about the real you, the depth of your being, the very depths of your soul. And Moses says in verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 6 that the word of God shall be on your heart. Now notice what this means and what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you come into a service once a week and simply hear it. It doesn't mean that you, that you compartmentalize your life to where all things of God are here on Sunday morning and then the rest of your life is divorced from what we talk about today, what we hear today. And it also means that when you are going about your life, that the Word of God is going with you and that there is more saturation in your heart of the Word than just on Sunday mornings. The Bible expects you to be a learner of God's Word. And, and just a couple of chapters over from this, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, this same writer, Moses, is going to say this, that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So important is that teaching from the Old Testament that Jesus himself repeated that exact same verse in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when he was being tempted in the wilderness. Here's the picture. Here's what we see from both Old Testament and New, is that the word of God is not something for our consumption one day a week or one hour a week from a guy who is studied and eloquently and articulately flows it out on an outline for you. This is a part of it, but it's not the complete picture. The picture of the Word of God is the Word of God is your spiritual food. And just as you physically cannot go much longer than a few hours or maybe a day, without eating and not feeling the physical effects of it. So spiritually, if you go your life without a steady diet of God's Word, then your spiritual life is not going to be blessed. Now, here's what this is going to require. It's going to require a couple of things I think we see um, in this text and other places of Scripture. Number one, it's going to require intentional discipline. It's going to require intentional discipline. If the writer is telling us here in verse 6 that the Word of God is to be on our hearts, in our hearts, how does it get there? Well, it gets there the same way that the, the lyrics to your favorite songs got there. It happens the same way that the traffic laws that we follow got there. Some of you are still working on that part of your life. But any other aspect of your life that you just come to understand and know by heart, it got there because you read it 
a lot, or you heard it a lot, or you did it a lot repeatedly. And what one, at one point was foreign to you, at what one point was completely new to you, now is completely second nature to you because you consumed your time with it and you were exposed to it repeatedly over and over again. And so if the Bible, if God's word is going to be on your heart, it's going to require discipline to get it there. And that could begin the day by simply getting on a Bible reading plan. There are several on the internet that I would encourage you to just go. You can just search Bible reading plans, and there are going to be several. You can go to our website at millcitychurch.net, and there's going to be a Bible reading plan or two there. It takes discipline to get me started on that road to repeatedly reading the Word of God. It's going to require intentional discipline, but it's also going to require faithful community. I want you to see this in the text. Verse 3. He says, Hear therefore, O Israel. I'm just going to stop there. This chapter, this passage is written to a faith community. It's not simply written to a whole bunch of individuals. And that's instructive for you and for me today. If you want to know more about this, I would encourage you to go to our website and listen to last week's message because there was a major part of last week's message that talked about the family of God and how God doesn't just save us individually, but He saves us to a people. And this is the idea that we see all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Is that these commands of knowing the Word of God and having the Word of God written on our hearts is in the context of a faith community. And so here's the picture for you and me today. This is an important part of our Christian experience. What we are experiencing right now, this is an integral part of God growing us and forming us more to look like His Son, Jesus Christ. The weekly, regularly coming together of the body of Christ, the family of God, bringing worship to Him, praying corporately to Him, and learning collectively and corporately from his word. This is an important part. But what this should do is this then pushes us out into one-on-one -on -one relationships, group relationships, individually, where I'm reading and consuming the word in many different settings. And so if you're going to be a learner of God's word today, I want you to know that it's going to require discipline and it's going to require community. Many of us today have the community, we don't have the discipline. Others of us may have the discipline, but we don't have the community. And some of us in the room are lacking both. And so if we're going to be a learner, we need both of those. So what's the pathway to blessing? First, you must be a learner of God's word. And moms and dads, this is crucial for you as you lead your children. Be a learner of God's word. Number two, you must be a teacher of God's word. You must be a teacher of God's word. What the Bible is going to teach us, the Bible is going to instruct us in this direction. No follower of God is to learn to simply learn. Learning is not a dead end. We are to learn in order to teach. We are to learn in order to pass on. We are to feed ourselves so that we may go out and feed others. 
Look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Did you see that? Now, some of us would read this and we would say, okay, I've got a step-by-step step instruction manual here. I've got to teach the word and, and know the word and do it here and then here and then here. If that's the way you read the text, you're going to miss the point. The point in verse 7 is that wherever you are and whatever you do, that could be a setting whereby you teach the word. And the word of God could just come off your lips. The word of God could just be opened and talked about. And you see that he's got the opposites working here, right? So you shall diligently teach your children, shall talk of them when you in your house or when you walk by the way. So whether you are inside or whether you are outside, he says when you are lying down and when you rise, you could also say in the morning and in the evening. The picture here is that the word of God should be a part of your give and take in relationship and conversation on any given day. That it's not just Sunday morning experience, but you have built your home, you have built your life, you have built your relationships in such a way that your private feeding on the word is to come out. Now, as parents, why do we do this? I mean, I, I was the kid who always asked, why? And do I have any more of those people in the room? Like, you just want to know, why? Okay, do this. Why? Because I said so, right? And that, that just didn't really fly really well with me. I needed a more of an intellectual, philosophical reason for why I should do this, right? Let me give you a little bit of the why. So here's why you must teach the Word. And moms and dads, especially why you should teach the word in your home and constantly talk about the word in your home and have the word listed on, uh, pasted on your refrigerator on post-it notes or on wall hangings or on the mirrors of your bathroom or maybe on the dashboard of your car. Like where, where do we put the word where we can see it, where we can talk about it? Or why do we do family devotions where we gather around the dinner table multiple nights a week and we pray together and we open up a simple uh, Bible devotional where the, the youngest at the table or the oldest from the table is just hearing the word together. Why do we do those things? Why do we pray with our kids before they go to bed or when they rise in the morning? Why do we read them a story or read them a scripture before they fall asleep? Why do we go into their bedrooms and, and pray over them as they fall asleep at night or read scripture over them as they fall asleep at night? Why do we do all of these things in instructing and teaching the word in our homes and in our lives? At least three reasons. There are more, but at least three. One, so that your children may know God. Let me ask you a, a question this morning, and, and, and it's going to sound rhetorical, but I really want you to answer it in your hearts. How in the world are your kids going to know God if you don't introduce Him to them? How are they going to know what He has done if you don't Show them. I guarantee you the world's not going to do it. I guarantee it. It's never been the case 
It wasn't the case in ancient Israel. It wasn't the case in the New Testament church. It's not the case today. How are they going to know God if you don't introduce them? How are they going to know God if you don't introduce them to him? So we must be teachers of God's word so that your children may know God. Is that not what verse 2 says? I mean, he's saying this is the commandment. Follow these commands. Know these commands. Verse 2, why? So that you may fear the Lord your God. You and your son and your son's son. See, there's a challenge both to children, parents, and grandparents there. You look at verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And this starts with you, moms and dads. I want you to know that here at Mill City, we are going to encourage you. We are going to support you. There, there are, is a whole team of people in the back right now serving our parents and serving our little ones by instructing them in the gospel and God's word today through mentoring and shepherding relationships in the church, we're going to encourage you and walk alongside of you. But contrary to public opinion, the church is not just another public commodity where you can just drop the little one off, just drop little Johnny off or drop little Susie off and just expect that this is the church's job and you're just going to outsource that. That's not biblical instruction. The biblical instruction here is that you teach them so that they may know God. Secondly, you teach God's word because you want your children to know discipline. Not just so that your children may know God, but also that they may know discipline. The scriptures are replete with verses about discipline and children. And, and most of the time when we think about discipline and children, we're thinking about when they, you know, every once in a while go off the wayward path and we have to correct them and we have to put them in the corner or send them to their rooms or, and get, or give them a little spat on the hiney or things like that. Like, that's what we're thinking about when we think about discipline. And absolutely, that's a part of it. And the Bible is clear about that. But there's also a lot more to discipline. Discipline is the opportunity where we get to define for them what normal is. We get to define for them what right is. This is the same thing that happens with a new believer. For those of you who are sharing the gospel with a friend or a family member and, and you're reading the Bible with them or someone who's recently been baptized, it's the exact same thing. It's why the scriptures call new believers babes in Christ is because what we're doing is we're training them in the way in which the Lord wants them to be and not the way in which the world wants them to be. We're training them in, in, in positive directions and we're teaching them to abstain from negative directions and sin in their lives. And so this is what discipline is all about. I'm not going to go through the entire list here, but just a couple of these. Proverbs 13, verse 24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him and discipline him early. Proverbs 29, verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Brothers and sisters, we live in a world where children from the youngest of ages, even if they're living in the, in the home with their parents, are just simply being left to themselves. 
because of neglect. But there are even those of us who are more educated and are even more of an elitist mindset that we must guard against as well. There is a, an entire movement among elites, especially among progressives, who are basically just saying that just let the child grow up and just let them choose their own way and just let them discover what they want themselves. Just let them discover their own discipline. Let them discover their own path. Let them discover their own wisdom. This goes against the Word of God. Parents, you have a responsibility to give structure, to give clarity, to give discipline, to give guardrails and boundaries. It's not oppressive. It's, it's not restrictive. It's actually the pathway to blessing because you're boxing them in so they don't go off the spiritual rails. Ephesians 6, 4 in the New Testament we looked at this a few weeks ago. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that even shows us, moms and dads, that even in disciplining, that we are to still be grace-giving and merciful, compassionate, and instructive for our sons and our daughters. So the reason we teach the Word is so that your children may know God Secondly, so they may know discipline. And thirdly, so that your children may know blessing. That your children may know blessing. Look at verse 2. This is, this is again why you consume yourself with the word. Yes, so that you may fear the Lord and your son and your son's son may fear the Lord by keeping his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. Why? So that your days may be long. And then you look at verse 3. It says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. Why? That it may go well with you. This is the pathway to blessing. You, you, you know God's word. You follow God's word. And things are generally going to go well for you. You don't know God and you don't follow God's word. There's going to be There's going to be hardship. There's going to be rebuke. There's going to be punishment and there's not going to be blessing. Moms and dads today are so consumed with so many things. And I have to be honest with you, as a 40 year old man who does not have children of his own, I have to be honest, moms and dads in the room, especially when I think about our, our, our family today that we just blessed, I don't, I don't always envy you. And, and I'm not saying that to get a smile. I'm, I'm saying that because this world is tough. This world is hard. And there is so many voices barraging you with this is the right way. We have not raised kids the right way for 2,000 years. We have finally discovered it. You moms know what I'm talking about. Because you sit at the soccer games and you, you're a part of neighborhood conversations and you go to school groups and someone has found the new perfect way, right? To raise and discipline your kids. And if you don't do it that way, oh, as if, right? I don't envy you. And the reason is because it's tough enough as sinful human beings to follow God's way. 
it's even tougher when I'm literally swimming upstream trying to follow God's way, but all of these voices keep flying in my face, actually making me feel guilty and question whether or not what I'm doing is the right thing. Do you feel me? Or am I just making this up? I know it's hard. But here's where I want to wrap back around. Moms and dads and psychologists and sociologists they are consumed with so many things today about making sure that kids have this or make sure they have this, make sure the best room, make sure the best sports uh, environment. Let, let's, let's put them on soccer teams and baseball teams and football teams that will actually keep them away from God's family on Sunday morning and, and away from other events with God's family that would actually hinder them. There are so many things that are just barraging you and parents just want to make sure that their kids have the best the best experiences, the best possessions this morning, what the Word of God would tell you is give them the Word and give them an example and raise them in the admonition of the Lord and you'll put them on the pathway to blessing. And all those other things, sure, pursue them. But pursue them with wisdom. Pursue them with grace. And even if they lack some of these things, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. Okay, let's go back to the text. You must be a learner of God's word because if you're not a learner of God's word, what are you going to pass on? If you have it, you must be a teacher of God's word because we can't just feed and feed and feed on God's word and not work it off and give it towards others, especially our kids. But lastly, if you want to be on the pathway to blessing, moms and dads especially in here, you must be a doer of God's word. You must be a doer of God's word. At least three different times in the first few verses, here's what we see. Verse 1, the statutes, the rules of the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Why? That you may do them in the land. Verse 2, you must keep all his statutes and his commandments. Verse 3, um, it says, be careful to do them. Now this echoes the book of James. If you go over to the New Testament, you may want to turn there. It's probably going to be on the screens behind me. But in James chapter 1, here's what we read in the New Testament. In verse 22, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Does this sound familiar? Don't you love the cohesion of God's word? Verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be what? Blessed in his doing. Moms and dads are so consumed with making sure that little Johnny has everything over here and little Susie has everything over here. Am I giving them everything they need? What's the balance here? And I understand that tension. But let me share with you this morning what the greatest gift that you can give your children is this morning. And here it is in your notes. The greatest gift you give your children is your example. Moms, dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles in the church community this morning. This is where every one of us has a responsibility. 
The greatest gift that we pass on to the next generation is our example. You see, we're so consumed with uh, every action or inaction as a parent. If I made a mistake today, I have just messed them up for all of life. I promise you God's grace will cover that mistake today. All right? Take it seriously, but not too seriously. Am I being too strict or am I being too lenient? Are they eating their vegetables? Should they have fruity pebbles or should they have bran flakes? Are they washing their hands? For the boys, good luck, good luck with that one. But the greatest, greatest gift that we pass on to the next generation of believers, whether they're children or those whom we're spiritually leading, is our example. They need to know, I would say, they must not only hear the word, but see it lived out. The greatest gift you give your children is your example, but here it is. The greatest example you give your children is your obedience. Is your obedience to God. One of the greatest things that your young children could see today, or even your adult children could see today, is that you as mom or dad or grandma or grandpa is actually a learner yourself. And that you actually have a spiritual parent whom you submit your life to. And that there's a heavenly father who is nurturing you and leading you. And, and that you make mistakes. And that when you make mistakes, you go before that father and you ask for forgiveness. And he cleanses you and loves you anyway. And so now, since you've given them that example, when they mess up, they can come to you and they can ask for forgiveness. And you give them grace and you love them anyway. Do you see how that works? You see, the greatest... Gift we can give them is our example. The greatest example we give them is our obedience. When we obey God rather than man. When we follow God's way instead of the world's way. And there's going to be tension there, right? Because there are going to be times where little Johnny is convinced that the world's way is right. But because mom and dad have learned the word. And because mom and dad have instructed them in the word. Mom and dad now have the opportunity to follow God's word and do God's word and to show them the word. And now they get to show Johnny by their own example, their own obedience, that God's way is the best way, even when it doesn't seem like the right way. Many of you know in the room today that, uh, that I was raised by my grandparents. And so the closest uh, mother figure that I had in my life was my grandmother. And my grandmother uh, passed away in January at 84 years old. And so this is the first Mother's Day for me that I don't have a call to make today. And so this is kind of a new world for me. But uh, I think I, I brought a, a picture today and, um, that I wanted to share with you. This is, this is the sweet woman who gave her everything for me and gave me uh, resource after resource and even uh, neglecting some things that she probably would have wanted in her life. But, but I, want you to, I want you to know something about my, my sweet, uh, loving grandmother up here today. One of my greatest memories of my grandmother, and my bedroom was right next to my grandparents' bedroom, is I would get up in the morning, and every morning without fail, 
I would get up and I would walk past the hallway and there would be a little light on in her bedroom and I could hear my grandmother reading, mumbling the word of God to herself, reading it. And I could hear her praying. I could, and I didn't know exactly what she was praying, but I knew this, that's what she was doing. And I saw that almost every day of my life growing up in her house. Friends, I want you to know that that is an example. And that is obedience. That is a life worthy of emulation. And so I want to ask you today, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, roommate, friend, family member, is that the story that others would tell of you? Is that they just constantly saw you being alone with Jesus, feasting on his word, and then living it out in your life? It's the greatest gift that you'll give to your children. It's the greatest example that you will give to those you're seeking to lead spiritually. So will you be a doer of the word this morning? There are so many other things that we could say today, but for the sake of time, we're going to have to wrap it up. This morning, I want you to know that as families, as the family of God, as parents, as children, as members in Christ's community, we have the opportunity to be on the pathway to blessing. And this morning, if you don't hear me say anything else, perhaps you would hear me say this. There is a way to do life and a way to raise family, a way to be family by the world's definitions. And you can pursue that. And you may even enjoy some things here on planet Earth. But this will be all you get is what you experience on planet Earth. But then there's the way of blessing. And there's the way of the Lord. And you walk the way of blessing here, you will not only enjoy life here, but you will enjoy life forevermore, for all of eternity, in the house of God. I'm thankful for you today. We're thankful for God's word. And so let this be our prayer this morning. Father, May devotion to you be the root of our lives so that blessing from you would be the fruit from your hand. Father, I pray for every believer in this room that you would give them a new hunger, new taste buds for your word. I pray that you would make them learners, teachers, and doers of your word for the sake of the next generation. Whether that next generation is in our family, whether they're in our dorms, whether they're in our offices next to us on Monday morning, Father, give us grace to fulfill this today. And Lord, we pray that in this room today, that on a day like Mother's Day, where yes, it conjures up a whole lot of rejoicing and love and excitement, I know also, Father, it can bring a lot of bad memories or a lot of heartache because of loss or because of what's happened in the past. And Lord, I pray that in a room like this, that, that you would just cover every heart, every life with your grace and draw their eyes up to you to know that you are the giver of every good gift and you are the redeemer 
of everything harmful that we've experienced, that you may redeem it and make it new one day. And there's nothing that we lack that you won't give, and there's nothing that we've lost that you and your goodness through your Son won't replace. And we pray that we would place all of our hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ who brings that to pass. Amen.